This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. Yeah, just one here and there. It's really just a really interesting, beautiful flavor. And I always like being able to connect with where I am. So it's kind of a cool way when there's not much else that's um, growing, if you see that, to be able to still like connect with the world around you in that way and, and kind of, I don't know. Feel that it's a flavor you can only get this time of year. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Today on our Crossing Division episode, as you'll recall, we're doing a weekly coronavirus in Tacoma podcast. So anything we say today, do keep in mind it's as of this date, April 3rd, 2020. So as of this date, our state has 6,585 individuals who have tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, In Pierce County, we have 368. Uh, Statewide, we have 262 people who have died of this virus. In Pierce County, we have seven. Um, You may have seen information uh, that the governor yesterday extended his stay home, stay healthy initiative. So, but for essential businesses, people are instructed to stay home Um, Try to limit your um, going to um, stores and only go out if you need to go to stores, um, grocery stores, pharmacy, or other um, critical errands. That is uh, continued until May 4th at this point in time. The other thing, I'll talk a little bit about this at the end of the program. We're seeing some changing directions in terms of whether it is worthwhile for people to wear masks. If you've been thinking about wearing a mask, I guess, or if you've been hoping to wear a mask, good news, because it looks like everyone is going to be recommended to wear masks. But please, if you are inclined to want to wear a mask, do not get the high medical grade masks if you happen to come upon them. Those really need to be reserved for our medical providers. But there's a lot of interesting information. I'll post some links when we put this on the website for making your own masks. And let's be honest, those are not as good as the surgical quality masks, but they do provide some barrier protection. And if you're making masks out of t-shirt material or other tightly woven cotton material, it actually is about, you know, 50 to 70% effective in both um, blocking um, small aerosol droplets that you may come in contact with and also blocking the small droplets that you may be emitting yourself. Plus, it reminds people not to touch their face or to be a little bit careful. So more on masks later. Today, we're going to focus a little bit on some programs at the Pierce Conservation District. And the reason for doing this is, one, it's pretty interesting. And two, I know a lot of you are looking for ways that you can get out and about without doing anything socially. So if you can get out um, looking around your neighborhoods, taking a walk, um, going through not necessarily park areas because the parks are closed, but uh, walking trails and things like that. So I thought we would talk with um, Sayari Rafe from the Pierce Conservation District and also Renee Meshi. So welcome, you guys. Thank you. Let's 
start, why don't you both introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about what you do at the Pierce Conservation District. And um, Sayeri, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us, Evelyn. Um, so my name is Sayeri Rafai. I'm a program coordinator um, with the Urban Agriculture Program of Pierce Conservation District, Harvest Pierce County, uh, which means I'm supporting a lot of the other coordinators um, from gleaning to our cultural ambassadors to um, farm foundations and communications work, as well as doing some community outreach and um, supporting the different, some of our um, community gardens in the county as well. Um, so maybe I'll stop there and let Renee <laughs> share a bit okay. of what he does too. Okay, Renee, tell us about what you do. Sure. Um, so my name is Renee Meshi, and I'm a program manager with um, Harvest Pierce County. And like Syrae said, that is the urban agriculture wing of the Pierce Conservation District. And uh, my work in particular is uh, around communications, um, community garden support. Um, we have a lot of community cohorts that we work with because we're always trying to make um, and create bi-directional relationships with communities, especially communities that regular communications might miss. Um, and I also manage the cultural ambassador program that Cy Ray uh, mentioned, and that is our multilingual programming, um, working primarily with immigrant and refugee community gardeners. Okay, that's great. Uh, Sayre, could you tell me a little bit, um, sort of a little bit of an overview of what the Pierce Conservation District is? Pierce Conservation District, um, conservation districts in general, started up right after the Dust Bowl, so right after Great Depression. There was a whole bunch of soil degradation happening, and so it was the government's way of localizing efforts to um, to improve soil quality to ensure that nothing like that would ever happen again. Um, and so the Pierce Conservation District started up in 1949, really focusing on water, soil quality. It's grown into environmental education. Um, Harvest Pierce County is the newest program within, um, within the district, um, that serves the entire county. Um, and so we really engage community members, um, really pushing for a just um, and healthy food system for everyone all over the county. That sounds great. Um, tell me about, uh, so two of the food-related programs that, that I know a little bit about but not very much is, um, first, I know you have an involvement with the local um, county food programs. And then secondly, I know that you have been really involved with community gardens. Could we start with the first, talk a little bit about county food programs and how the Harvest Pierce County works in that arena. So there's a lot of different food programs um, that we partner with um, and really trying to support the efforts to ensure that there is um, healthy food access in our community and to really trying to inhibit food waste. So some of our programs within Harvest Pierce County um, include the gleaning program, um, mm -hmm. which is really essentially driven by a huge force of volunteers in our county going out to harvest um, fruits, fruit trees that might otherwise be going to waste, um, even on farms, and then distributing them to community groups or food banks to ensure that that food um, goes into the hands of our community members. 
Um, we have program another program called Farm Foundations, which is a cohort model for folks who are interested in working on a farm, starting their own farm, bettering their gardening skills, um, free program that includes um, evening classes and then hands-on learning um, on um, a farm or two in the county. Um, as it relates to community gardens, there are 83 in the county um, that we support in different capacities. Um, so ensuring that, you know, if someone wants to start a community garden, we have a process that we can work through, help facilitate. If folks need resources, we have partnership in and around the county to ensure that folks have access to soil or wood chips. Um, in some cases, having access to water for their gardens, um, et cetera. A lot of times we recognize gardens are a place of healing and bring in a lot of people. They're also seeking that healing too, and that often ensues conflict. And so sometimes we are the mediators <laughs> in the garden as well. <laughs> Um, and, and we find our place, um, just trying to support community really behind the scenes as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there anything, so when I think of the gleaning, I think of like the apple trees and things like that at the end of summer, is there any gleaning that goes on at this time of year in the early spring? Gleaning hasn't started yet. Um, so, and Renee can correct me if I'm wrong, but. There isn't anything at this moment that um, we have started. Chris, who heads up the gleaning program now, is also doing a fruit tree education program. So for folks who have fruit trees of their own, um, that is an opportunity to learn how to um, prune and, and care for their fruit trees properly. Um, so that is another opportunity um, until gleaning starts up. Very good, very good. Well, Renee, let me ask you a question. I I, um, I uh, follow you on Facebook, so I know that you do quite a bit of like urban foraging type activities. In addition, does does that play into your role at um, in the harvest program, or is that just more of a side interest? Um, it depends. It used to um, a mm -hmm. bit more. I used to um, do kind of like edible weeds presentations at our summit. Um, just teaching people that sometimes like plants will volunteer in your garden bed and mm -hmm. they're still edible. Mm -hmm. um, and in many cases, they actually have more nutrition than cultivated varieties. So I think that's especially important um, right now to know. Um, and also we expanded the definition of community gardens to include things that are um, as we like to put it, thinking outside of the garden box. So that includes um, food forests, community managed orchards, community forests, wild food projects. Um, we really don't like to limit our definition um, of what's edible to those standard cultivated varieties because we understand that this county um, is growing all kinds of things that are edible, medicinal, that have been recognized as food um, for thousands of years. So um, we are currently working on uh, a community forest um, that's on the east side um, with local residents. Um, there are a few indigenous communities that are involved in that and recognizing that um, those kinds of foods also are important first foods for First Nations and for um, 
uh, especially the tribes that, um, that we are on the historic lands of the Puyallup tribe when we're in Tacoma and there are other tribes as well um, throughout the county. Um, so we try to recognize all those different ways of um, being nourished and mm -hmm. whether that's cultivated varieties or wild varieties, um, we want to support people having access to those foods. Well, that sounds really good. Well, um, you, you've probably noticed, I'm sure you've noticed that there's a lot more interest right now in gardening, even in just um, containers that people might have outside of an apartment. There's definitely something about this emergency, maybe it's, you know, being sort of semi-quarantined at home or just being more aware of um, that it doesn't take as much as one would have thought to disrupt your supply chain and perhaps your food chain, but people are very interested in um, starting gardens. Uh, have you been getting contacted from people and, and have you got some um, advice to share with people who might be looking at getting started for the first time ever? Yeah. Um, so we do recognize that we're getting a lot of new gardener questions now, mm -hmm. um, more than before. And so we've always had a free gardening class called Edible Gardens. And the purpose of that was to just have people release the fear of taking that first step and planting that first seed. Um, but now, like, there's just an overwhelming response. And so we're not only taking those classes online, but we also started um, a weekly live stream where the Harvest Pierce County team just gets together and answers questions that we've seen people starting to ask. Um, so today we, we just had one and I've been seeing people ask, like they, they have seed packets for the first time and it says plant mm -hmm. two to week, three weeks before the last frost. Um, but it's hard to know, like, has the last frost happened? Like, how do you right. know that? The farmer's almanac says one thing, but my neighbor says another and, you know, so how do you really know? And what, it, what difference does it make if you do plant it a little bit late this year? So mm -hmm. yeah, we just answered all those questions. People are asking questions in the comments and we try to keep it dynamic um, so that we're really um, answering what people want to know. And like you said, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of new gardeners this year. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're happy about so that. When, um, when are those live streams and how can people um, tap into those? Yeah, I mean, if you follow our social media, um, so Harvest Pierce County has a page. Pierce Conservation District also has a page. Um, our page is a little bit more tailored to urban agriculture content, but you'll also find some of that on PCD's page. They're talking about rain barrels, like installing a rain barrel at your, in your yard for the first time, or um, their environmental education program is also doing some starting garden uh type programming, especially with kids in mind, because, you know, a lot of kids are at home now, mm -hmm. um, and some activities that you can do. So I would recommend following those pages, and then we are um, creating Facebook groups with online programming, um, like our Fruit Tree Education series, for example, that Zyri is talking about, is now a Facebook group online, and we're live streaming to that group. So you might not see it on our Facebook page, mm -hmm. um, but it's a linked group um, to our page, so you can find it from there. Okay, that sounds good. So what has been the most frequent new gardener question you've received? Um, probably, how do I not kill my plants? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen a variation of that question, um, especially if people are like, 
I planted seeds and then it got really cold. I think they all died. Mm. Um, you know, like I have a, a black thumb people will say, or like I, I kill all my house plants. Am I going to be able to grow food plants? Um, which, you know, started the conversation about like, how is it different growing house plants from container gardens of food bearing plants? You know, that's, there are some differences. So it's a really good, a really good question. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these questions we never could have anticipated, you know, it's, it's people are really, um, really doing it. They're not just thinking about it. They're starting their garden and they're encountering problems as they go. So we really just want to like, keep having those live streams, live Q and A's, you know, right now it's every Friday that we've been doing the Q and A's, but I think we're just going to do them as much as we can so that we can keep the conversation live and people can get those answers as they're doing stuff. That sounds really good. Um, so sorry, tell me more if you can about, um, what are some of the challenges that you're experiencing right now? Um, you know, given our emergency state and whether there's anything that people who might be listening to this can do to be helpful. So right now, since we've been asked to stay at home mm -hmm. um, and at least our staff has been working from home for the last few weeks, we work so integrally with community members in person that it's a challenge for us to navigate new structures virtually and figure out how do we support and provide resources from afar. And so that's why we've been pushing a lot of the live streaming and online classes as a way to continue to support and share information when folks are um, really interested in growing a garden right now. I think what we're asking of folks is if you're interested in growing, please try it and also think about growing something for your neighbors as well. We have a program mm -hmm. called Share the Harvest, which is an opportunity to um, really uplift like folks who are growing food for their neighbors mm -hmm. and we don't really have too much stipulations besides providing a form for you to share at the end of the year and for us to celebrate this is how much food folks in Pierce County have shared with their neighbors um, so recognizing you know there is uncertainty of of the, the labor force that often provides a lot of our food there are um, supermarket that are starting to go on strike, their workers are starting to go on strike, you know, there is uncertainty of how our food system um, is going to operate in the coming days, months, however long. But we can try to, to think more locally and, and support our neighbors by getting to know each other and sharing what we have to offer um, as little as that may be. I think that's a really good idea. Um, so, if I was going to do something like that, and I always will say I always have really big plans and then often do not follow through on the garden plans. Um, but I love the idea of like putting a, a table outside my house or something and asking people, you know, please have some tomatoes or please share in this harvest. Because, you know, as you well know, I mean, you go for months where you're sort of growing everything and then it's kind of like, bam, everything's ready to go at once and it's some especially if you have grown zucchini or something, it's often more than you can use yourself. So is that the type of sharing that you see or, or do you see people being a little bit more organized about things? That is definitely one way. Even on our live stream today, someone asked or someone shared, I have rabbit poop. Um, I'm mm -hmm. happy to share my rabbit poop. 
for veggies, you know, so people are trading and that is another way um, to support community members. Um, and it's beautiful, right? Like some mm-hmm. gardeners are really looking for, for some good compost for their gardens and might have an abundance of vegetables in the coming months and willing to share. And, you know, really at the core of our work is trying to build relationships so people continue to support community um, and have really healthy, viable food to sustain themselves mm-hmm. um, and their loved ones. So those things that we're starting to see even online happening, that's really beautiful. And we want that to continue. Well, that sounds really good. Well, let's take a really short break here and then we'll continue and talk a little bit more about what people can do if they're sort of out, maybe taking a walk and they want to try some foraging. This is Doug Mackey, producer of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. PLU is expanding its graduate program and creating more and more ways for you to continue your education. A master's from PLU can take your career to the next level, or it might just be the thing you need to pivot to something you've discovered you're passionate about later in life. The master's in kinesiology is a whole new graduate program adding on to PLU's decades of experience with advanced degrees in nursing, education, fine arts, marketing, and more. Think about PLU as a sort of training ground for what comes next. Earn your spurs here and then ride your new master's degree into the sunset. Best of all, if you live in Tacoma, PLU is just down the street. That means there's no Seattle traffic between you and your degree. To request more information or attend an info session, visit plu.edu slash graduate. My thanks to PLU for their sponsorship of Channel 253. All right, we're back with this episode of Crossing Division. Before we get back into talking about foraging and all kinds of other interesting things, I want to remind you how good a deal it is to become a member of Channel 253. $4 a month and you have early access to all the information that we share, um, including next time we do an adult civics happy hour, which we've been talking about doing sort of as a, um, if we can figure out how to do it as a distance um, shared experience, but eventually we'll get back together for beers and civic talk and you want to be one of the first to know about it. So do consider a membership. Um, so before we took our break, I said, let's talk a little bit about foraging and kind of what I have in mind is this, I know people are, you know, occasionally wanting to go outside and take a walk. You wanna walk someplace where there aren't a lot of other people. So kind of meandering around is sometimes the way to go. And if people have um, kids at home with them, then sometimes they also wanna take the kids out and find some projects for them to, um, you know, keep their attention and to get involved with. So. What kind of ideas do you have, things that people might be able to go out and do either to look for stuff they can forage or look for things they can do either on their own or with their kids? Sure. Well, um, one thing that we have to be cautious about is um, misidentifying things because Mm -hmm. there are plants that are toxic. Um, I'm also a mushroom hunter, and there are definitely mushrooms that are toxic. I think it's important to remember that people's fear of how much toxicity there is in plants and mushrooms often exceeds like how many toxic varieties there actually are. So Mm -hmm. it's not as dangerous as 
as, as it might seem. Um, but it's definitely a real thing to think about. So definitely don't consume something if you're not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of places where you can um, get a second opinion on your ID. Um, I like the in-person ones, like for example, the Puget Sound Mycological Society and the Master Gardeners have ID clinics where you can go in and show them what you found and you can bring them a sample. They can see it in person and tell you 100% what you have and if it's edible. But mm-hmm. given the fact that we have to socially distance, that might not be um, something that people can do in the near future. So I would just try to make sure that you are familiar with something already. For example, blackberries. Um, yes, tell us about that. <laughs> people are very familiar with blackberries because they are horribly invasive. The Himalayan blackberry is horribly invasive in this area. Um, and they are often growing in your yards and on your paths, whether you want them to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I think people could positively ID. Also dandelions. Um, there are some other varieties that look like dandelions that aren't, um, but most people are reasonably um, able to identify a dandelion. So those are two good places to start. Um, People know blackberries, um, they're compound berries. So generally a compound berry is gonna be, uh, that's a berry that has all the little parts on it, like a raspberry. if that makes sense, like little compartments. Yeah, the little seed compartments. Yeah. So if you have what you think is a blackberry um, and it has a compound berry, you can be reasonably sure that that's what you have. Um, And the leaves are also um, edible, especially the really young leaves, Um, but they get kind of thorny as they get older. So Mm -hmm. right now there's the little bramble buds that are ready. And those are just little tiny, like the little tiny bud that you'll find on the cane. Um, It's the leaves just starting up. It's kind of wound, like a tightly wound leaf bud. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can kind of find it on the, the, what I like to call the armpit of the plant. So like if you have the cane, there's like a little stem sticking out in between and that little crook there, there's often a bud starting up this time of year. And those are really interesting to eat when they're very young, very fresh, very soft. And they have a little bit of a flavor, kind of like macadamia nut or like kind of coconut in a weird way. Um, you hmm. have to try it <laughs> to, if, to know. If you, if, you just, if you just pick it off the blackberry plant and you pop it in your mouth, can you taste the nuttiness or do you need to do something to it? Nope, that's all you need to do. That's actually the best way is when they're young and fresh like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can toast them. I've seen people toasting them and I've tried toasting them, but it kind of takes that flavor away. Um, oh. and just, I mean, they're still good, but you don't get that really fascinating, like coconut macadamia, like je ne sais quoi that oh. the little bud gives you. <laughs> so I'd very much recommend, uh, trying a little bud, um, fresh off the plant if you can. That sounds um, great. So if I'm, if I'm out with, let's say I'm out walking my dogs, I can check out the blackberry plants, maybe find the little leaf buds, try them there. But I could also pick them, I think, and bring them home and use them in salad or probably some other things. You could. Um, I think they might get lost in a salad, mm-hmm. personally. 
mm-hmm. I've seen um, people talk about toasting them to put them in like a uh, like a trail mix, and mm-hmm. I could see how that could be good. When I taste them toasted, I feel like they'd go good with raisins. So that was like one of the first things I thought when I was trying the toasted one. Um, so, but but again, the flavor it's more of like a it's less of something that you're going to eat in bulk because the older they get, the more astringent they get. So mm-hmm. if you have one that's a little older, your mouth might dry out. Um, so you kind of don't want to eat like too many of them at once. Right. But you wouldn't want to anyway. Um, right. Yeah. Just one here and there. It's really just a really interesting, beautiful flavor. And I always like being able to connect with where I am. So it's kind of a cool way when there's not much else that's um, growing, if you see that, to be able to still like connect with the world around you in that way and, and kind of, I don't know. That's, it's a flavor you can only get this time of year in many cases, uh-huh. so. That is interesting. Well, and you mentioned dandelions also. What parts of the dandelion would you use? Yeah, um, the leaves of the dandelion are highly nutritious. Um, And those, they can be very bitter, Mm -hmm. um, but they're less bitter if you harvest them before they've had a chance to flower. So this might be the year when you see some that are flowering and you remember those spots and you remember how to identify them uh, before they've flowered. You might not, uh, you might've missed that window for some of them in your yard, but they come up all the time. Right. Um, and the flowers themselves are also edible. You can make fritters out of them. Uh, they're really good that way. I've also just put them in the air fryer, um, but they kind of turn like dry and fluffy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like if you dehydrate dandelion flowers, like put them in a dehydrator and open it up, they've turned into those white balls that you see. Those, the oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's why you have to um, air dry them if you're going to dry them. You don't want to, like, at first I thought a dehydrator would hasten the process, but it actually just turns them into those, like, old wish balls. I don't know how else to describe them. Yeah, those, yeah. Yeah, and the air fryer kind of makes the texture a little bit that way. I thought they're still good that way, but they're just a little, like, dry and seedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so frittering is probably the best way for frittering for the flowers. Yeah. Okay. And what about the roots? I know there are um, that that there are some medicinal uses for the roots and some like a, a tea use of it. But I've never. I know they have huge roots. I mean, in our backyard, we'll get them. We joke they look their carrots, but yeah. we haven't we haven't used them for anything. What what could we do with that? Yeah, the roots. Um, are incredible medicine. They're a tonic, uh, just a general fortifying tonic. They're also really good for the liver. Um, some people like to harvest them uh, later in the season, but the spring is actually a good time to harvest them because they have higher amounts of a component. Um, I believe it's called taraxacum um, or taraxin, and it's an anti-cancer um, property that the roots have. So spring roots for dandelions are higher in that in particular. Um, but overall they're, they're just highly nutritive and fortifying. And what I like to do with them is harvest them and then, um, 
obviously wash them off, prepare them, slice them, and then put them in the air fryer and roast them that way. And then I grind them and I mix them with coffee. Hmm. And so my coffee becomes this like vehicle for all, all sorts of medicinal things and it still tastes like coffee. And if it's a little bitter, that's even a good thing with coffee. Right, <laughs> right. right, okay. Yeah. There's also um, coffee, the caffeine in coffee um, can help make other cells more receptive to medicinal components of the roots that you put in with it. So um, that's another good reason. It can be a potentiator mm -hmm. for the compounds that are in the dandelion root. Well, that sounds really interesting. Have um, has the Harvest Pierce County done a um, medicinal plant class, or have you been looking at doing something like that? Yeah. So in the past, um, we've had a variety of different um, ways that we've done it. It's usually been something that's been at our summit, and mm -hmm. we there's this uh, amazing educator, and she's actually. Pierce Conservation District's Educator of the Year this year um, for our Conservation District Celebration Awards, which we had to postpone, unfortunately. But um, her name is Melissa Meyer, and she um, is of the Simshian Nation, um, which is an indigenous uh, First Nation from British Columbia area, I believe, but also um, shares um, similar um, plant knowledge and wisdom throughout Cascadia and the, the Pierce County region shares in a lot of those plants. And so she has been um, working with Harvest Pierce County. And if you've gone to our summit, you might've seen her um, giving the medicinal plant talks. Um, we've had the class the past three years now. Mm -hmm. And she's also um, was one of the featured storytellers at um, last year's seed swap talk, talking about devil's club, which was really amazing. And she brings, um, all kinds of wild crafted teas to our events, um, and also sells them and all the different preparations. So that's really exciting. And she's also, um, been working with some of the communities that are building the forest garden project I mentioned on the East side to right. convene people of different indigenous backgrounds to connect through, um, food and medicine and wild plants. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Look. And uh, we also have our annual native plant sale. Mm -hmm. So the native plant sale is um, through Pierce Conservation District, but Harvest Pierce County is uh, working on it for two years in a row now. And we've put a larger focus on the um, ethnobotany of different plants and the ways that they've been used and enjoyed by people throughout the years um, since time immemorial. And so we had a lot of medicinal plants and edible plants at this year's plant sale. So some of you, if you participated in that, in that you might have some of those in your yard as well. Well, that's great. When, when is the plant sale normally held? It is normally the beginning of the year around February. Mm -hmm. And we usually open the sale around November. So from November to around January, we take pre-orders. And okay. uh, yeah. Good. I'll have to look for that. Well, Sire, when you're out walking about, what kinds of things do you look for? Do you do any foraging? Um, I don't do too much foraging. Um, I might add maybe to the previous conversation, 
more cautions just for folks who are mm-hmm. picking blackberries or dandelions to maybe not gather them in places that are near roads, high traffic areas, kind of that pollution from off the road um, may not be the best. And I've heard too is dandelion as a detox may not be good for um, folks who are pregnant as well. And so to it's important to, to know the plants um, before taking them in and how they might interact with your body. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely still learning a lot about um, medicinal plants. Um, I think one of my favorites that I learned about in recent years is lemon balm um, that I found um, at my previous work, just kind of wandering the grounds, mm-hmm. um, not realizing that it is like really medicinal and in some folks also believe that it helps with different traumas as well. So it's interesting to think about how um, it's at least some of the teachings that I've learned in recent years from um, indigenous medicinal practitioners is often the plants that we need are, are right around us. And as we begin to learn about, learn the names of and, and the, the properties of these plants, a lot of the things to maybe treat anxiety or depression um, might just be readily around um, outside our window and we had no idea. Um, so it, it's something I'm it definitely continue to want to learn, but I'm, I'm still, I feel like beginner stage of, of learning these things too. Um, I, I get really, in, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was gonna say, I think that's very reasonable. And I, I am always intrigued by this. So I have some books on the you know, local plants that you can forage, but um but I also live, you know, not all that far away from um, Point Defiance and the former Asarco um, site. So I also sort of think, you know, in a in a garden in my yard, I would always grow grow things in raised beds because I'm not confident in the cleanliness of my soil, and so I weigh that too. So you're definitely right. There's a lot of things to think about, but I do like the idea of, you know, finding plants in nature that are both edible or that, you know, are medicinal or have a beneficial properties. I think that it just um, sort of changes the way you look at your outdoors. Yeah, definitely. And actually last week, um, our, our director, uh, Kristen, um, had a lot of information around, shared a lot of information about soil on our live stream and talked about, um, Asarco and the worries of arsenic in the soil levels here. Mm -hmm. And she brought up that our plants don't actually take up that arsenic. So we don't have to worry about arsenic poisoning and planting in our soils. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's pretty heavy mineral in that it stays in the soil um, and doesn't travel up the plant. So that was something new for me. Um, I've heard Though if if you are foraging mushrooms, you probably don't want to forage them around Point Defiance or that area because mushrooms take in those minerals um, Mm. and do a lot of that remediation in the soil and help heal the soil from those toxins. So plants like that, you might want to be more cautious of in that area of Point Defiance. Um, But other kind of leafy greens that have stems that filter a lot of things, um, they're not going to be taking up those heavy metals that are stuck in the soil. Okay. That's really, that's good to know. Well, what would you say, what would be your recommendation to folks if they're at home and they're interested in 
learning more about your programs, is your website the best um, place to go or would it be better off starting on a Facebook page? I personally think our Facebook page is where a lot of our activity is going to be happening in the coming months. And so that might be the best place to start. We already have some videos available online. Um, and yeah, that would be that would be my recommendation is to start there. And then if they want to participate in the gleaning program or get on different listservs, be part of the fruit tree education program, there are links on our websites for those specifically, those kind of like cohorts. Um, but for our general classes and things that we're sharing out, it's all going to be posted on our Facebook page. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, thank you both so much. I've learned a lot and I, I'm going to put all this information up uh, on our website with the podcast when we get ready to post that later today and see if we can get people, you know, out in the community and in their gardens. All right. Thanks well, for having us. Oh, you're very <laughs> welcome. You're very welcome. Um, so the last thing I wanted to mention, I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, making your own face masks. I will put some, um, links to directions on the um, website for crossing division. But I guess I would add, you know, if you have, um, if you have an idea that you think works really well, email it to me. I would be very happy to see that. You can email me at um, truetacoma at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at uh, true underscore Tacoma. Um, I would be eager to hear people's thoughts and people's questions as we continue sort of to move through this coronavirus period together. But I think that's all we have for today, April 3rd, 2020. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.